Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. This week in Arsenal, I don't know. I don't really have any any headlines this time around. Um, it's uh, it's it's a little bit shit, a little bit not, a little bit overreaction, a little bit underreaction. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we're we're gonna get all we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into all of that. Um, but welcome in to episode forty of this week in Arsenal. I am Sham, aka Jude Bellingsham. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter on Twitter at Shamsdale, and with me, as always, is the main man himself, Sash, who you can follow on Twitter at LT Arsenal. Sash, how how are you doing? Happy New Year, first of all. Although it hasn't really felt like a great start to the new year, you and I have had technical difficulties for about yeah. an hour now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how are you doing? Ah, uh, could be better, honestly. Uh, I think obviously Arsenal's results are one thing, and then. Uh, on Jan 2nd yesterday, my laptop decides to not switch on. Uh, and then when I try to switch it on, I get this message that asks me to go uh, to the Apple store and restore it. Um, but now it again doesn't switch on at all. So it's just technical problems after technical problems. Very frustrating uh, for me because, um, yeah, as you know, like just last month, I got assaulted by a group of thugs who tried to rob me. Uh, and then I come back home for a nice holiday. Uh, I, we do a really nice podcast last time out. Uh, I think it was after we lost to West Ham, was it? Yeah, it was after we lost to West Ham. Uh, we do a nice podcast, even though it was a bad result. Um, it was nice to get back and, you know, edit like the banner and things like that. And then two days later, poof, laptop is gone. Um, and yeah, it's just shit. It's shit started the new year. But I'm sure that... Uh, if you start this shit, you there's only one way and that's up. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward uh, to what the rest of this year brings. Hopefully lesser technical difficulties with gadgets. Um, but I think still compared to a lot of things that's happening in the world, it's still a good problem to have. Um, but yeah, looking forward to getting some thoughts out there on this part. As I also call it, it's my therapy session, uh, this podcast. So... Looking forward uh, to doing it. And yeah, Sham, how are you? Otherwise, hope all is good with you as well. Um, I can see you have had a stressful start to the day as well uh, in the US. Um, uh, but yeah, how have you been otherwise uh, since New Year? Yeah, um, I've, I, I've been good. I um, How do I put this? Uh, so my brother got married over the weekend and a bunch of people showed up sick to the wedding. Oh, no. And, and now I'm sick. Um, oh, so no. if you see me popping Ricolas throughout the course of the pod, that's why. Um, luckily, it's nothing crazy. I've still been able to like work, and I'm you know I'm on here right now. But it was just like a little little soreness in the throat and all that. And then um, mm -hmm. that insult to injury, I lost my headphones that I normally use, and the pair that we grabbed off Amazon connects to my phone, but does not connect to my laptop. Um, which is why you and I are both doing this on our phones. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I'm I'm good. Um, you know, just um, you know, just happy to be relatively healthy. And um, you know, you and I have been talking about this, where we're we're both trying to take a healthier approach no. to how we interact with football. And you know, so yeah. I'm just um, I'm very I'm trying to be very conscious of all the good things I have going on in my life. And there's there's a lot of them, thankfully. Um, so yeah. So I'm I'm doing good, but yeah, let's um let's jump into you know talk about the Fulham game. I, you know I think I, I think because we we're we're in a bit of a time crunch, I think we're gonna end up talking a little less about the full the Fulham game itself, yeah, and more about just kind of like the ramifications from that and where how do, how we feel about where the club yeah. is right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean just um, I I, I guess you know just generally speaking. A couple weeks ago, we were first 
um, at Christmas. And now it feels like everything is kind of over. So, you know, kind of smaller picture within the bigger picture. How do you feel about where we are in the title race right now? Look, it's obviously a huge setback, okay? It's a huge setback. Losing two games, you should be getting six points in when you're competing against Liverpool and Man City. It's a huge setback. Uh, but for me, it's not the fact that we're five points behind that is the concern because I think, yeah, five points is a lead that, you know, you can, like, erase. It's a question of us beating, like, Liverpool and Liverpool losing another game. Five points is really not so much, to be honest. But what's concerning for me is what we're seeing on the pitch, you know, the lack of efficiency when it comes to taking chances. There are times we're conceding from set pieces. You also have games uh, like Fulham where we don't turn up at all. So I think the underlying problem here is that this Arsenal team has many different ways of losing a game. Um, and for me, that is something which is you know, hard to fix because it's not just one issue, you know. Like in many games, we've dropped points in different ways. I'm just trying to think of the games we've dropped points in the season. We start all the way back to Fulham at home at the Emirates Stadium. We play really poorly for the first half, like really bad, totally disjointed. Uh, Fulham take the lead. We come back in in the second half to Fabio Vieira. It's 2-1. Um, it looks like we're winning. Fulham are down to 10 men and we concede from a set piece, a corner. It costs us two points that day. And then I'm looking also at the Chelsea game where we didn't turn up for the first half. Uh, you can say we were a bit unlucky with some decisions, but you know, all in all, that was also, I think, a really uh, poor game of football. The Newcastle match was decent. We didn't create much, which was a concern. But that was a game, you know, I felt we were robbed in. Uh, similar could be said about the Villa game. We actually created a lot, but didn't take our chances. And then the referees uh, screwed us up in that match as well. Liverpool away. I thought we played well, fought well, earned ourselves a respectable point. Fair enough. Take the point and move on. And then the last couple of games, West Ham uh, and Fulham... Two different performances against West Ham. We had 30 shots, but we didn't score a single goal, which pointed to a problem of efficiency. Against Fulham, after going ahead, we didn't even look like a football team, which was, I think, a huge concern, the way we just let Fulham play through us. But I think there are some common themes that have emerged in these matches. And for me, one of the themes is our lack of creativity from left-central midfield. It's affected any left-winger who's played. Martinelli has not been himself. The midfield has not clicked. And before we turn this into a, oh, Kai Havertz, should we have paid XYZ for him? I think we should look at the bigger picture. I think Thomas Partey would be playing along with Declan Rice if he was fit. It's another season where Thomas Partey's injury has cost us horribly. And Kai Havertz has been brought in for his versatility. He could play up front. He could play left central midfield. But the problem is right now he has to play in midfield because we don't really have much options there. But still, I think we could give a chance potentially to Smith throw. We could move Odegaard there. So I think also Arteta has to be blamed here. So I just think it's a number of different issues that have come together. Look, we're not bad. Just a week ago, we were like, oh, we're first going into Christmas. So let's not lose all perspective here. But I do think that this season, we have been scraping our way past multiple games, scoring late winners. You can say we deserve to win those games. Like, Luton away, we played well enough to win. But still, we've been scraping our way. We've showed a lot of character. Way too much character for my liking. And I just wish we could play like how we did last season with that fluency. We were such a nice team to watch. We're not even nice to watch again. And I think Arteta in these next few weeks really has to go back to the drawing board because we have this game against Liverpool coming up this weekend. After that, I think we have a couple of weeks off. And then the next game is, I think, around the 20th. So we have to get back to the drawing board and come up with a solution because if we don't fix something, uh, you know, we're not going to win the title. So this is my two cents on a champ. Uh, but how do you see it? What do you think the main issues are? Um, and in general, do you think the meltdown has been too excessive or do you think fans are justified in their anger? I mean, I mean, it's, it's as Arsenal fans, the meltdown's always too excessive. But um, I, I think I'll put it like this. Excuse me. Um, we're not out of the title race, but we're now the third most likely team to win the league. I'll put it like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think, you know, after, after what we've seen the last 
we can change. I'm pretty sure City are going to go on to win it. I think they're going to do it comfortably, to be honest. Um, you know, De Bruyne is going to come back at the right time. I think this is going to be kind of the last dance for him. Um, <laughs> you know, he's had half a season of not playing. He is going to be pretty fresh. Um, yep. Holland's going to come back at some point this month. And I think those two are just going to run riot, to be honest. Um, yeah. And, you know, Liverpool, uh, people take this really personally when I say it. I, I think Liverpool are a great team. But, mm-hmm. again, it's a lot of their games go in a very similar way where they concede first, mm-hmm. they, they look like idiots defensively, and then they have to just throw the kitchen sink at it to get the win in the last seven minutes of the game, right? Yeah. And they've gotten a few lucky calls to make that happen. I'm not implying that Liverpool have the PGM well in their pocket or anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, you've gotten a little lucky here and there, which is fine. You need yeah. a little bit of luck to win a title, but yeah. it's it's just, it's not as convincing as, as City. Um, mm-hmm. If Liverpool goes sign a six, this month, then I think we're we're looking at a different team here. But um, yeah, I I just I I think we're below those two right now because I feel like we're doing all the things that out of. So I, I I tweeted I tweeted a little while ago that I used to think Wenger tried too hard to make football an art form, mm-hmm. and now I think that Arteta tries too hard to make football a science. Yeah, right. yeah, that's beautifully put. Wow, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and what I and what I mean by that is, you know, Wenger was so focused on producing, you know, beautiful attacking football that he never addressed the the practical fixes he could make, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, and with Arteta, I feel like he's kind of boiled it down to play in a way that has more possession, has more final third entries, creates more XG limits CXGA, um, yeah. and you just do that over and over and over, and you're going to win way more games than you lose, right? And, yeah, you know, I, I don't think that's wrong, but, like, if... I, I feel like we're just... We're, we're playing so safe now, right? And we're going through the outside, and I know teams set up now kind of, kind mm-hmm. of to block off the middle and make it mm-hmm. harder for us to progress centrally. I get that, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like every game I see us pass up like five or six, you know, not easy, but doable passes like through the midfield. Um, and I just feel like we shy away from those now. And I also think, you know, we're, we're kind of back to the horseshoe that we saw mm-hmm. in early Arteta days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just feels like the plan is to rack up like a bunch of like low XG chances and maybe one of them will go in based on how we're playing, right? Where it's, it's the Saka coming in, you know, yep. on the right wing and like inverting all the time, and it's Martinelli being asked to play ISO ball against three different defenders, and you know if they can't take a shot themselves and they just cross it for four foot seven Gabi Jesus to compete with some center backs for, um, and then eventually if you do that 30, 45 times, one of those is going to end up in the back of the net, and I just don't think. I think that's a great way to finish top four. No. I don't think that's a great way to win no. the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now with uh, with the state of the title race and you know what the team is right now. Yeah, I know. Could not agree more on all your points, especially on the one you made about Arteta being like a guy who's trying to perfect the science of football. Um, I think what makes football such a nice sport is like the unpredictability. You know, it's the ability for players to play with that freedom to express themselves and as you mentioned i think the way we are set up right now i think multiple players are really constrained by the system uh, i'm looking at saka i sometimes think he could do with a runner next to him as you mentioned martinelli too isolated at times i think he really misses uh, granit xhaka and you mentioned 4 foot 9 gabriel jesus well the i'm not the issue for me is not the fact that he can't compete or win a duel my problem is that when he gets a clear header, like a free header, like we saw at West Ham, he's probably not going to score it. Like, he's just not a reliable finisher. And we actually discussed this following the West Ham game about how Gabriel Jesus has underperformed his XG for the last 
six league seasons, which is crazy. It's not one or two. It's basically ever since he's come to the league, he's underperformed. So he's never going to be that reliable goal scorer the team needs, especially at a time when we don't have a midfielder, which is affecting Martinelli. So the goals are just drying up. And we're just relying a lot, I think, now on Saka to do something out of nothing. Um, people, I, people are getting a bit carried away, I think, on social media. Yes, we do miss Thomas Partey to some extent. He's a good player. But And the worst part is people are abusing Rice, saying he's not progressing it forward. Actually, even against Fulham, he played so many good vertical passes. The problem is that from the left-hand side, that, that there's no creativity, you know, because Kai Havertz, like, he's, he's basically non-existent in terms of helping the team build. Like, all his passes are so predictable and so, like, straight. It has no, like, message on it. Even the times when he could have slipped Martinelli through, or even when Martinelli is unmarked, and it's just a straightforward pass. He's either under-hit under it or over-hit it. And look, I'm not scapegoating Kai Havertz. I'm saying that a huge reason for our troubles is because we don't have a left-central midfielder who can create. I think Kai Havertz could be a wonderful option off the bench, maybe if you want to give a different dynamic to close out a game. But you know, we lack that fluency in our play. And I think Arteta, as you mentioned, I think, you know, in theory, it looks very good because Declan Rice is the guy who blocks everything. He's like one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. Defensively, you have Odegaard, who, you know, is your chance creator. And then you have Kai Havertz, who on paper could be the player who makes runs from deep and scores goals. But the issue here, I think, is that football doesn't work that way. Just because on paper it looks good doesn't mean that's how it plays out on the pitch. And I think fans have underestimated how important Granit Xhaka was for us uh, last season. I understand he's not a perfect player. But I think what he brought to us, in addition to his box-to-box traits, was he brought that creativity, you know, that leadership defensively. He was phenomenal. And I think replacing him required us to go and spend that 60 or 70 million on a player who can do what Xhaka does, but maybe uh, do certain things better. Like, for example, someone like Zubi Mendy, I think he's more mobile than Xhaka. So you should have ideally tried to upgrade on him. I think Arteta has taken a completely different route. And, you know, you cannot rely on Thomas Partey. We all know that he's not going to be fit. So we're now forced to, like, completely play a different midfield, you know, and and it's not Declan Rice's fault. If Shaka was next to Declan Rice, things would be fine, honestly. The problem is Rice has no one next to him. And Odegaard, who honestly, I think he's been good in recent games. He's been dropping deep and helping the build-up. But you want him further forward for the cutbacks to play that final pass. And you know, at the moment, that's not happening. So, I don't also see a really clear solution. But I think one temporary solution could be to play Odegaard on the left play a runner like Smithrow on the right or against the more like uh, better side, you could play Jorginho in the base of midfield and Rice next to Saka and play Odegaard on the left. I think Arteta has to change something. His rigidity also is really annoying me. Um, but Sham, how do you see it? Uh, what do you think the potential solution to this is? We will of course get into what we can do in the transfer market. But for now, to fix our issues, what are the changes that you would make? Yeah, I mean, I, just just a word on the rice thing. If if you're watching what's happening and you think rice is the is a big problem, then you don't know what you're talking about, right? Um, you know, people are coming out and saying that rice just passes sideways. I'm I'm looking at a stat right now of the most progressive passes in Europe's top five leagues, right? Mm-hmm. Zinchenko's number five. Xhaka, sadly, is number three. Do you know who number one is? Declan Rice. Declan Rice. And now, I, you know, I will, I will put some context on that, right? Well, let's, you know, let's not just throw stats out there. But mm-hmm. I, I, like Declan, Declan Rice passes it forward, right? And I do think he plays some incisive passes here and there. Obviously, excuse me, I think Thomas Party is you know, a more incisive passer. I think yeah. he's a more vertical passer. I think he takes more risks. But let's not let's not sit here and pretend that Rice isn't, you know, doing something in that ballpark. Let's not sit here and yeah. pretend that Rice is just passing it sideways and backwards. That's not what he's doing. 
Um, in terms of what you can do now, right? Um, I, I, I agree. You, you said we don't have a left center mid. I actually think we do, right? That's the annoying part. I, I, I think you can play Odegaard at left center mid. And I think Havertz actually worked better at right center mid, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. what was what was the secret sauce for Martinelli last year? He had Xhaka to play those passes in behind for him, yep. right? Martinelli's more of a runner than Saka is. And mm -hmm. Odegaard probably is the biggest creative passer in our team. Maybe mm -hmm. Fabio Vieira has something to say about that. But I just don't understand why we're not playing someone there who's playing Martinelli in behind, um, you know, in behind defensive lines. I feel like we always give him the ball to feet and never, yeah. you know, playing the ball in front of him. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Martinelli can't be involved in buildup. That's yeah. part of his job. But every single time we give the ball to him on the touchline and then just say, all right, you're on your own. Like, it's just who, why, why do, why do we think that's going to work? Um, so I would love to play Odegaard in there. I also think Martinelli could really do with an overlapping fullback, preferably yeah. someone better than Kieran Tierney. Um, but even even if Odegaard doesn't play there, I think Zinchenko might be an idea there at left center mid, right? I think Zinchenko is another one of our best progressive passers, very creative player, has shown that he's a bit of a liability in the back four. Bit to say yeah. statement, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it just kind of reminds me, excuse me, of how Xhaka, when we played him deep in midfield, was a problem for us because he kept getting into bad situations. Mm -hmm. And then we moved him up into the eight role. And suddenly he was one of our best players. Yep. So I, I think Zinchenko is maybe someone who could benefit from that. And then, you know, on the right side, I think Havertz would work there just because Saka needs someone who's going to combine with him who yep. knows where to be. And I think Havertz's, one of Havertz's big strengths is his movement, right? Mm -hmm. Havertz is a very intelligent player yep. who knows not to get in the way, right? So if Saka decides to invert and, you know, White is kind of the, the lower end of that triangle, then Havertz is going to go on the wing. And Havertz, yep. you know, I think actually offers some threat on the wing, right? So he could take the ball to the byline and cross, or he could just stretch the play a little bit. So I think that's something you could do there. Mm -hmm. um, and then if Saka decides to be the one who goes to the byline, then Havertz will underlap and, and be an option there. So I just think he's yeah. a better target man combination guy on the right-hand mm -hmm. side for Saka just to get Saka into you know those more dangerous areas. Um, but yeah, I, 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 think, I think we're going to have to adopt a more... Um, like a bolder approach in our attack, right? We, we're not crashing the box anymore. We don't have six guys in the box like we used to last year. Um, I think we just need to be a little bit, we need to take a few more risks in buildup, right? We really don't catch the defenses out anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just, I just think it's, um, it's a philosophical change that we have to make during yeah. the next 19, 20 days. Yeah, absolutely. I think time is of the essence, you know, and my worry is that Arteta is sometimes going to be a bit too stubborn and probably not change his ways. We also saw it last season in that run-in. We lost, I think, four games on the spin or drop points on, in four games on the spin. Sometimes he is a bit late to react, which for me uh, is quite frustrating. And in the last couple of games, obviously, a lot of fans have criticized Arteta, saying that, uh, look, we're not creating chances. You take a look at a team like Liverpool creating an XG of 7 against Newcastle. When you see Liverpool play, you know, one thing's for sure, they're going to create chances. And how how come in our like fourth season under Arteta, we're still like struggling a bit to create and put away the chances? So, I think these are fair questions to ask, personally. Um, but don't you think it's a bit extreme? Some people call already calling for like, the manager's head because for me, it's quite ridiculous. Sometimes you have to remember where we were when he took over. You know, we were like 12th. We had an aging team that had to be rebuilt. I think we made a lot of progress. I think we overachieved last season, honestly, quite a bit. And that's obviously made expectations for this season even higher. Um, I did say to one of my friends, actually, at the start of the season, if we just finished third this season and had a bit of stability, I would have taken it. 
but i think the expectations that were created the way we are playing um obviously a lot of fans want us to win the title people are saying we spent 200 million after finishing uh second and we have become worse than last season a lot of takes like this i don't think we are as good as we were last season primarily because of one position but i also think that yeah we have added some very good players who can be fantastic for us uh going forward so how do you see that sham do you think that we have messed up the rebuild in the summer a bit how much of blame is arteta to take and in general how do you see like um the managerial situation like i know it's strange to ask this question because one week ago we were on top at christmas but since it seems to be a discussion on twitter around the manager i'm just interested to see what you think about it um and i guess the question is is there a manager you would have at right now instead of arteta who you think can potentially win us titles yeah um in terms of like um mistakes that we made and kind of what we did in the summer i said earlier this season i think it was the first time we had chitty on um that i think we might have made some more long-term moves during the mm-hmm. summer right mm-hmm. as opposed to getting players to win now um yeah you did cuz the Havertz thing doesn't really make sense to me unless you think in terms of you know we're signing this guy and then next year we're going to sign or you know we're signing a second striker and then next year we're going to sign like the center forward he's going to play off of um whether mm-hmm. or not you think that's the approach we should take is a different question but i think that's what we were doing there mm-hmm. um i think timber was a great signing rice obviously no. has been phenomenal and yeah i you know i i don't i don't really i think there are things that you can't really blame arteta for like timber going down with an acl first yep. game of the season mm-hmm. um i think we i think we'd be a much different team if timber was available um so that's unfortunate but what i do blame him for is still putting us in a situation where we have to rely on Thomas party and um yeah i i just think it's pretty clear at this point that party is not a reliable player right the guy is getting injured early in the season he's played like what 20 minutes at this point the entire season um he's off ripping his hamstring open during gender reveal parties he's you know the listening he's blasting r kelly in his uh instagram stories <laughs> as he's going to the club and i don't i don't want to like get on his back too much but um it's just it's, it's not a good look right and yeah. um you know the guy just hasn't been reliable and i don't understand why we put ourselves in a position once again where uh we are just such a worse team without a guy who seems to have hamstrings made of glass so um that is something that i blame arteta and edu for mm-hmm. but in terms of where in terms of how i feel about the manager i have a lot of questions about mm-hmm. you know the decisions he's made so far this summer mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm not i'm not one of these guys who sits back and says trust the manager everything's going to be okay right yeah um I think he's done some stupid things, right? Um against Fulham, why are you not bringing on Jorginho? If if Jorginho's injured then don't put him on the bench. Um right? And why are we playing a kind of football that relies on players putting their chances away when we have a front when we have a front three that does not prolifically put their chances away? Why mm-hmm. are we signing mm-hmm. Kai Havertz if we're competing for a title now, right? all these things. Um but that being said, I for, first of all, I don't think he's done anything at this point that makes me say he has to go. He has enough credit in the bank with me where if we finish this season trophyless, I'll put it to you like this, if we if we finish in the Europa League places this season, then yeah, we need to have a conversation, right? But if we finish in the top 4, and we make a deep run in the Champions League and maybe a deep run in the FA Cup. I think I'll be in a position where next season I need to see something from him in terms mm-hmm. of um you know the league or the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um but let's not forget this is the guy who took us to where we are right now. You know, this is the guy who showed up when we were at our worst point in years. I'm talking, you know, multiple decades. Mhm. 
and took us to in three years, took us to competing for a title with, mm -hmm. you know, arguably the greatest, the best constructed team in Premier League history. Yeah. So, um, and I, I just think, you know, I don't want to say aura, but the guy has um, a really magnetic way about him that makes people want to follow him. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that first press conference that he had where everything was so genuine. You know, you sat there and listened to him talk about what he wanted to do and the principles he wanted, he wanted to instill. And, you know, you felt better coming out of it. So I think he's still the guy to take us forward. He's still a guy that you build a club around. Right. Yeah. Um, he's not like, he's not like Emery who, you know, you, you build the club first and then you just kind of put him at the wheel. Yeah. Right. Um, Arteta is the guy who, you know, is, is, is the brains of the operation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel fine with him being there. So yeah, I don't want him to go. Um, not at this point. We'll, we'll see if anything changes, but in terms of who I would take over him, there isn't really anyone anyway, right? Maybe no. Deserby. I think Deserby's probably the guy yeah, that I would want to get. Yeah, but even even him, I have concerns, yeah. right? Because yeah. um, look at Brighton this year. Brighton, <laughs> did you know that Brighton kept their first clean sheet of the season, like, yesterday? That's, wow, like, that's crazy that. to me, Yeah, right? He's defensively quite leaky, yeah. Yeah. So I just I just wonder what his chops there are, but you know yeah I, I still I still feel good about Arteta. I'm not um, mm -hmm. I'm not begging for him to leave. Um, I think he's still the guy to take us forward. I just think he needs to just stop being stubborn about certain yeah. things and just and yeah. just kind of realize that what he's doing isn't working. And if he wants to finish third, then you know he's on course for that. But you have an opportunity here to to try to win the title. So I, I think it's worthwhile to just kind of take an L here and there and change up the tactics and do what works. So Yeah, too. Yeah, too. That's where I am. Yeah, I know. A bit of short-term pain for long-term gain, right? Like, I think we obviously have some direction we want to take. I don't think Arteta is that illogical that he would sign Havertz for $70 million and just totally change the midfield. There's obviously a strategy in place. Um, and it's just that fans don't know what the strategy is, but still, we see what is there on the pitch, and at the moment, it's not very good, and I think people will criticise during the bad times and also praise during the good times. I think that's how uh, it should be. Uh, fair criticism, constructive criticism, but I think calling for the manager's head at this stage is quite ridiculous. I think this, the season is still long. I think we will do good in the Champions League um, I just think in the Premier League, that consistency week in, week out could cost us. But I think Champions League, we will do well um, and we still have a long way to go. So I don't think we should be like calling for the manager to go at this moment. Uh, but I also want to speak to you about Edu. Like I personally put out a tweet the other day saying that I'm not convinced with this guy. And I'll just tell you why I'm not convinced with him. So the first thing is that player sales, right? Like we haven't sold well historically. And I don't think that's improved much under him either. So I think that's one concern I have with him. But apart from this, also, he's South American. He's supposed to be really well-networked in Brazil. I cannot think of one signing he has done from Brazil that's actually been good. Like Marquinhos is being released uh, by the club he's on loan. And also, uh, before we sent Pablo Mari, that didn't end very well. It's just that for a guy with that much expertise, he's turned to Kia Jurabchi and clients in the past. It's only since Arteta became the manager that I felt that some of our signings actually improved. Because under Edu, in his first couple of windows, we had like William, Cedric, Pablo Mari, Runarsson. These were the players that we were signing. I also think the problem here is that, you know, we're having some issues on the pitch and all fans have gone at Arteta. And when I bring up this topic of sales, people tell me, no, this is what Richard Garlic does. And when I bring up the topic of the early signings, they say, no, it was Don, Raul, not Edu. Although Kia, Jurapchin and Edu are really close. They're like literally best pals. Like their families literally hang out together. So my question to you is, what is Edu even accountable for beyond the point? Like what, what, what is he doing? Like I honestly want to know. Yeah. Um, I think Edu... Edu is definitely part of our transfer strategy, right? And 
I, I think you I, I think it's a it's a fair point when you talk about there are all these talents in Brazil that we have watched the part two, you know, Real Madrid and Chelsea and PSG. And we have a guy who is supposedly well connected, not only with the Brazilian FA, but I think is it with Corinthians? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he also paid like extra money to them after signing Marquinhos to like maintain a good relationship. But he he doesn't like follow it up with any good deal. Uh, Marquinhos, his um his loan is about to be canceled, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that might be a story for another day. But um, yeah, no, it hasn't been entirely convincing. Um, I think he's been okay. I think you could. I think you could upgrade on him, but um, I think where he ends and Richard Garlic begins is when we start talking about um, like contract extensions. I think. I think that's mainly Garlic's thing, and then maybe Garlic also participates in some mm-hmm. negotiations like related to actual signings. But the transfer strategy itself, I put that at the feet of Edu, right? So. When we're missing out on Scardo and Endrick and guys like that, and we're we're signing Marquinhos, <laughs> you know, I, I I have questions about what's going into that. And um, you know, when it's very well put, yeah, yeah. And then when we have quite, when we sign Kai Havertz and play him in a role that very clearly requires a different profile, I have questions not only about you know whether Edu was um, involved in making those decisions, but if if he disagreed with it, why he didn't, you know, serve as a roadblock to that, right? Because I think the job of a technical director is not only to identify talent, but when the manager wants someone and they don't work, their job is also to tell the manager, "I'm sorry, you're wrong. You know, not not this time." So um, I don't I don't have anything particularly big. In terms of concerns about Edu, Edu, but there's there's definitely a couple things that you know I, I see happen, and I'm just like, I feel I feel like there are people who would do that better than you are. So exactly, yeah. Um, we'll we'll see. I I don't think Edu is a particularly great negotiator either. Um, although I will say I think people. I think people sometimes treat negotiators or like good negotiators as people who like say um, a magic combination of words and then they unlock the person on the other end of the table like they're a sleeper Mm spell, you know, the, you know, the the purple tongued raccoon rises at midnight. Oh, yes, we'll definitely take 40,000 a week, you know, Um, so it doesn't it doesn't work like that. But Mm -hmm. I, I do think Edu if we're talking fine margins and, and the, the ways that you can improve to become a dominant title winning dynasty, I think Edu eventually will come up as somewhere where we can improve. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I think that was very well put. I think you were more balanced than I was for sure. Uh, in the way I said it, uh, but yeah, I think Arsenal should look at that hundred percent. Maybe Josh Kroenke could look at it because he's the guy who's obviously more involved right now. Uh, bigger picture, and I'm sure the club. You know, if, if we miss the title, which I think is looking likely, we actually I even said it a couple of months ago that I think it's more likely we do well in the Champions League than the Premier League. I just don't see us doing it over 38 games. Um, but on the flip side, I also want to say that I know people are saying we spent 200 million and all, but 200 million today, when you look at some of the other teams, how much they spend, it's it's not so much like. I know it seems like a lot of money, but like it's what it gets you like two, three players today. So it's also not like maybe three seasons ago when if you spent 200 million or something, you have to do things, you know. And we've seen other managers as well spend, we have the dip. And I think Arsenal, all in all, are on a very good trajectory. You cannot forget that. The very fact that we speak about two, three positions that need to be addressed tells you, uh, I think, how far we've come. And one of those positions we're obviously looking at is centre-forward. Uh, I just want to quickly touch upon Eddie before that because I think this Fulham match for me was the final straw with Eddie, man. Like, he's done so many performances like 
the game on Sunday where he's just been completely anonymous. Like, and I think, I think, okay, let me put it this way, right? I think left central midfield is an issue, right? It is, it is a problem, no question about it. But I think it's made even worse by the fact that the center forward on Sunday did absolutely nothing. Like when you had Gabriel Jesus up front and Kai Havertz on the left, I felt it was okay. Like it was more manageable because at least you had the center forward coming deep, linking the play, bringing others into it. But Eddie, man, like, oh my God, he did absolutely nothing. And I don't know how Arteta kept him on for 90 minutes. I don't understand how Emil Smith-Rowe was an unused substitute and how Eddie seems to always play 90 minutes, even in the games he doesn't play well. Uh, but Sham, yeah, I w- firstly want to ask you, what next for Eddie and Ketia? We're seeing a report now that there are teams in the Premier League who are interested in him, uh, but Arsenal want to keep him for now. Like, what do you think about his future? Because I think this is the final straw, man. Like, like he's just an average player, like a, like a good player for a mid-table side, but we're Arsenal, we want to compete for the title. I just don't see Eddie fitting that bill personally. I'll I'll put it like this. Um, every time I see someone say, if we sell Eddie, we have to replace him, my first thought is, no, we don't. We don't. Have what what yeah, what what do you lose if you sell Eddie and Kedia? Right? You still have Jesus, you still have yeah. Trussard, you still have yeah. Havertz, you still have Martinelli, if you really go that from that far down. The, the the totem pole. Um, I just I, I I feel so bad at this point. But like, what what does he bring? You know, he he doesn't make smart runs. He presses inconsistently. Mm-hmm. Um, his finishing is okay. Um, he is not particularly useful in combination and build up play. He's a worse Aubameyang, if we're being quite honest. Yeah, and, well put, well put, yeah. He yeah, can't just out wide. Like, Aubameyang at least could make those runs from wide to in. This guy can't even yeah. do that. I, I just, I don't know what's the point of keeping him. And how, how I feel about Nketi is kind of part of, um, it's probably the biggest problem I have with Arteta, to be quite honest, right? Because there you have Nketi, and you have Nelson, and you have Smith-Rowe. Nelson and Smith-Rowe, I think, can actually use. Yeah. Those are guys who, you know, can be important parts of the squad. But none of them Arteta seems willing to part with, which is which is crazy to me, right? Because Mkhedia does not contribute at all. No. Uh, we're, we're talking about a guy who just went a full calendar year without an away goal, right? Yeah. And then um, Nelson... Nelson, I think, can contribute. Nelson, I think, is a pretty good player, but always seems to come off the bench with 15 minutes or less yep. re- you know, remaining. Um, is clearly not trusted. And then Smith Rowe, we're not even putting him on the pitch when we need him, right? Baffling, um, baffling. Yeah. Um, you know, Smith Rowe is probably the guy I would want to play at right center mid over Havertz, yep. right? And then play Odegaard at left center mid. Um and we're just not trusting him, but I can almost guarantee you that you know we would we'll have an opportunity to make maybe sixty million or or more sixty to seventy five million total off those three, mm-hmm. and we're not going to take it this this um, this window, right? Remember when Aston Villa wanted Smith Rowe for thirty five million? We said no. Yeah, it at least made sense at the time. Yeah. But like if if Villa offered thirty five million for Smith Rowe today, would you take it? I like look. Uh, there's two things to this. So, okay, I'm looking at the way Arteta uses Smithrow. Arteta doesn't seem to fancy Smithrow anymore, to the point where he's not even coming on. So I would take it, but also I would not take it as well because I think he's a really good player who needs to be like encouraged, you know, and definitely needs to be given more backing than what Eddie has been personally. That's what I think. I think Smithro has to be given that backing and he can be a really good player. But yeah, at this point, like, you know, I would take 40 million for him probably because like he's not even coming off the bench. Yeah. Um he's not he's not being used. And that's kind of the big thing I have with Arteta in terms of in terms of issues with, with how yeah. he conducts himself is that um we just keep kicking the can down the road with these guys, right? You know, I saw 
I'm not going to say who this is from, but I saw a tweet yesterday that said, we re-signed Nelson so we could sell him, right? Um, and this tweet somehow got a, a bunch of likes. Mm-hmm. Why would you re-sign a guy and give him 100000 a week yep. just to sell him, right? That, that makes that job harder, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we didn't re-sign Nelson to sell him. We re-signed him because the same thing happened with him that has you know, that happened with Maitland Niles that happened with yeah. Allegan for a while. We yeah. saw an academy player about to walk out the door for free because we had kept kicking the can down the road on them, right? Mm-hmm. And then we saw them about to leave for free, panicked, gave them way too much money, right? Yeah. Gave them whatever they asked for because we didn't want to be wrong mm-hmm. about letting the player go. Yeah. And then we just kind of sat back and we're like, okay, well, we don't, have to, we don't have to worry about that problem for a little while, right? Yeah. You know, I feel like we're going to be doing this with Nelson when he's like 28. His contract's going to be about to run out. And we'll be like, <laughs> no, 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 we'll give you, we'll give you 150. We'll give you 150, and then yeah. he'll finish with like and don't you think 40 this is total. I do. This is on Edu partly, isn't it? I, I do, I do think it is because I think at some point, you know, you need your your technical director to kind of butt in and say, Are, you're not using this guy and you want me to sign players. Let me sell this guy and sign someone you actually want. Do you want Pedro yeah. Neto or do you want Reese Nelson? You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we did that with Nelson. We did it with Maitland-Niles. We did it with Balogun. We did it with Smith-Rowe. Um, and we did it with Nkedia. And, yeah. you know, I think... I think we have an opportunity here to make that work for us, mm-hmm. right? And 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 sell them and and let them move on and take the profit because these are academy players. This is pure profit at this point. Mm-hmm. And then move on and sign guys who we actually rate and who the manager is more comfortable using because it's very clear at this point the manager does not trust those three players. Yep, exactly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I think just a little think- disappointing. Yeah, I think for me, what the annoying part is that I think the reason Harvard is also playing as central midfielders, like Arteta views the game in a very like structural way. So, okay, we have two center forwards. So I have to find a way to play the second center forward. Even though Kai Havertz can easily play that role better than both Eddie and Gabriel Jesus, he would still play Eddie that because he's like, no, I need to manage the squad, make sure that he gets playing time. But giving someone playing time for the sake of keeping them happy is just stupid beyond the point. And I think this defeat has to be a wake-up call. And I think that's the best way to look at it. The most positive way to look at it is that it can be a wake-up call for Arteta to see some of these issues that maybe he didn't previously see or maybe he suspected existed but didn't act on it. So now's the time for him, I think, to really act on it and make sure that he, you know, like solves it properly. Um we're also entering now the 45-minute mark of the podcast. This podcast is going to be slightly shortened because we started a bit late due to the technical issues. Um, so I finally want to wrap this up, Sham, by asking you, what do we do in January this month? I We've been speaking about it a bit in the last couple of months, but obviously we've been also saying that let's take a look at how things are in January. So we're in January 3rd right now. The winter market is open. Um how do you see Arsenal doing this market and what would you do uh, to bolster the squad to help the team achieve its objectives until the end of the season? So, I think Arsenal are going to sell Cedric, Elneny, um, who's the third? There's a third player in there. Cedric Elneny. We're not going to sell any of them. I'll be honest. Like we won't. I don't think. Them. I don't think we're going to sell anyone for big money. Yeah. I think we'll sell three guys for like fifteen million. Mm-hmm. Um. And I yeah I think we'll sell for like minimal profit. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, we'll make one signing. Right. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a defensive signing, and I think it's going to. It's going to turn the the timeline into a mess. <laughs> I think we do need a defensive signing, but yeah. you know, a lot of people have been talking about how much we need a striker. Um, that's what I think we're going to do. Mm-hmm. What I wish we would do is get rid of Cedric, Elnani, 
Um, just bite the bullet and sell Ramsdale, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Smith Rowe, Nelson, and Kedia. Sell them all, yep. right? Yep. That's a good chunk of change you're going to get out of that. Yep. And then go sign two players. I think I would sign a right center back, mm-hmm. and I think I would sign... It's an, I, I'm kind of in two minds about it because, I mean, maybe not maybe not a right center back. Maybe you go sign a midfielder and then you go sign a winger. Yep. Right? Yep. Because I've had my eye on Yusuf Fofana, mm-hmm. who I think has very similar traits to party. Mm-hmm. Um, typically can play as a, as a central center back in buildup as well. Right? So he's... He's a very useful guy in terms of progressive progressive passes. I think he can play um, vertically enough. Mm-hmm. He's only twenty four, and I think he'd only cost us thirty to forty million. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I would go get him, and then I personally want Olise, but I feel like he would cost a fortune right now. Although apparently United might be interested in him. Yeah. Um, maybe Neto. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It depends. I think um, I think you could also look outside the league. Yep. Um, maybe uh, Kubo. I know we're interested in Osman and uh, Nusa, Antonio Nusa. Yep. Um, just I, I, I don't really care about the name. What I care about is go get a pacey field stretcher player. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, if you're not going to use Nelson like that, go get someone else that you can use like that because I'm really tired of us taking Martinelli off and then putting on Trossard and just losing all that pace, right? Yeah. Trossard on the wing is just a ball retainer. That's really all he is. So, um, and, uh, you know, I think occasionally he's very effective from there when he's allowed to come inside, but I just don't think that's that's how our attacking style works these days. Um, but, yeah, I just want more pace in our yep. front line, and I, and I want more directness and dynamism and threat. So I would yeah. go. Pl- I would go find a player who offers that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's much you can do in the January January window, right? I don't. You know, we're getting linked to Vlavic and uh, Boniface. What a signing. Uh, yeah, I mean they they would they they would be they would be fun signings for sure. Um, but yeah, I I just don't think you can go get a guy like that without spending something silly. In, mm-hmm. in the middle of the season when players need those or when teams need those players. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's probably what I would do personally. But how about you? Yeah, I would look to sign a striker like Vlahovic if he's available. I would, since we have a dilemma now and the availability is limited, we just have to first look at our needs center forward, central midfielder, a defender, right? I was just trying to sign the best player available. Uh, in one of those three positions based on the availability. So if we can't get Vlahovic, maybe Subimendi might be available. So you go for him. And if not him, maybe a good centre-back is available who you'd like. Like that Ajax player, I forget his name, but uh, he's supposed to be a, a big talent. Uh, so I would look to just sign the best player. It's important not to just think for this season, but also the future. So sign the best player out there in one of these three positions. Because anyway, between now and the summer, we have to like solve all these positions. So might as well start yeah. somewhere. Don't want most top caps like Trossard and Jorginho type of buys as much as I rate them and as good as they are. I think, you know, we have to now start signing players who can also contribute in the future. So I think that that would be the way I would approach it. Doesn't Zubimendi have a release clause right now? I think it's like 60 million if I'm not wrong. Mm. Could be an option actually. Yeah. If you make enough sales, that is someone you could get. Potentially. But you have to pay it up front. And I don't know with FFP if that would work unless we can negotiate like installments with them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think um, we've really uh, put ourselves in a bind <laughs> this January. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I don't want to keep ragging on the guy, but I just keep thinking back to, you know, did we really need to make the Havert signing? Yeah. It's not his we, fault. He cost sixty-five million. Like we paid him sixty-five million, gave him yeah. like a big wage. So that's awful. And fault. that's 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 I think the most annoyed I've been with Edu in a while. 
Mm-hmm. Because I remember when we first got linked to Havertz, I was saying they're just like, if you could get him for 45, why not? Right. And then I hear that we signed him for 65 and we made him our highest paid player. Yeah. And I'm sort of just like, are you sure that's, are you sure that's, that's a worthwhile decision that you take? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess what I would say to anyone watching or listening is um, we can, excuse me, we can do something in the window, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't expect whatever we do to be a season changing move. Right. Yeah. Unless yeah. that player comes in and just, you know, has the, has the six months of their career basically, yeah. Yeah. which is pretty unlikely. So I, I think we're going to make a couple helpful additions, but I think we're really going to need people to step up from our yeah. current squad. Absolutely. That's the way. That's what I that's completely agree. I think it's about focusing on what we have. As Mikel said, changing the way we do things um, and hopefully going into this weekend's clash against Liverpool in the FA Cup, we can start uh, and start winning again just to get that winning feeling back and good vibes into the club. So, fingers crossed we win this weekend. Yeah, I don't think Salah will be there either. So, I mean, Tommy also won't either. So, we'll we'll see yeah. how that evens out. But, yeah, um, I can't say I'm excited for, <laughs> for the Liverpool game. No, no. I'll be outside, so I'll actually be missing it. But, yeah, fingers crossed we win and qualify because I don't want an early round exit in the cup again. That'll just be hor- horrendous, to be honest. I just don't want to lose to Liverpool again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we didn't we didn't lose to them last time, but I don't want to lose to Liverpool here because yeah. I think the noise coming from them is loud enough already. Yeah, yeah. and you know they're 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 a title rival, quote unquote. So yeah. if if we lose to them, it's just going to be a whole cycle in the media, and then you know social media is going to be shit about it. It's just yeah. it's, it's a whole thing. So I just need us to avoid that. Yeah. In fact, last time as well, we lost to Man City in the FA Cup. And they went on to win the league. So let's make sure we beat our title rivals, even though it's not the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take them to the cleaners. And hopefully, you know, the, the Emirates is up for it. Because I think that's yeah. that's the secret weapon there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and put a bow on this. And, um, you know, thanks so much for listening. Sorry we started an hour later than expected. Again, Sash and I have had um, the morning from hell in terms of technical <laughs> difficulties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, thank you for, um, you know, if you've been listening from the start, thank you for, you know, coming up on a year now of, uh, of listenership and viewership. We, uh, we really appreciate it. We're aiming to make our second year of the podcast um a really successful one and um we'll probably try to have a few guests on soon um you know just just to have some good conversations with them but yeah we really appreciate it um we're just two guys talking about you know some football club that keeps letting us down so uh <laughs> we're, we're, we're really glad to have you all here um with that you know i just want to say uh we will talk to you probably monday or tuesday next week uh, following hopefully a win against Liverpool at home in the FA Cup. I'm hoping for 3 1. Um, but until then, take care. Stay safe. Wait a second. Wait a second. Handles. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Shamsdale. I'm Sham. You can follow Sash on Twitter at LT Arsenal. You can follow the pod on Twitter at This Week Arsenal. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. Um, again, we're trying to hit. 2,000 subscribers, so we're inching our way there. Like uh, how so awesome this table is moving in December. Yeah. Just inching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if, if, if you could uh, if you could subscribe, we, uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to start trying to put out more videos in uh, 2024. I'm actually working on something about how, um, how well we do selling players. So hopefully I can have that out within the month. Um, but yeah, with all that being said, um, we love you. And we will talk to you after a win against Liverpool. Until then, take care, stay safe, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you.